With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Thursday, July 27th. We're uh, approaching this a little bit differently than we normally do. I know our readers and listeners have a lot of questions about what's happened on the practice field at Notre Dame here the last couple of days, but we've been, we've been observing it and writing about it. So segment one is going to deal with the offense. Segment two, we'll talk about uh, the defense and a little bit of special teams. Yesterday, guys, uh, we, <laughs> we have a tendency to make a, a whole bunch out of really a whole little with the first practice of the year. I wrote Thursday thoughts today and talked about what we were talking about last year after the first practice which was quarterbacks and accuracy. And this time around, it was the DB play, especially the cornerback play against Notre Dame's top receivers. They were really good. And with any practice, when it's Notre Dame versus Notre Dame, something good happens, something bad is going to happen with that as well. Uh, but the DBs played really, really well on Wednesday. I should We should interject, though, if we take too much from one practice. And last year, we were talking about how inaccurate the quarterbacks were and how they were a problem. We did not take too much from one practice last year. So it, it can't happen that way. But it's nice to see. Way, uh, that was the way I led today's Thursday thoughts. Yeah, it's nice to see. Uh, we don't have to talk about every quarterback's throw, obviously, <laughs> when, we go, when we go through these things. My first impression from the offense and much less uh, we, offensive line is really just body types right now. The running backs behind estimate just look like all viable, quick athletes to me. And I go back to Dylan McCullough saying, I want to look at the exact quote. Is it six special roles he has for running backs? Like, you referenced might be, it might be eight. It's, it's like third and four, third and long, short yardage, all these different things. And I bet he finds them this year from his running backs. Yeah, that I agree. I, you know, I know Marcus Freeman, what referenced two carries from that entire group at Notre Dame. Um, but that it, it wasn't a big concern of mine going into camp and after the first day and even just watching them out there uh, on Thursday morning, going through reps with, with McCullough, like, yeah, there, there's going to be a role for all of those guys and you could lose one and a half. Um, you know, I think it'd be okay. As long as, you know, Audrick Estime isn't the one. So it's, they have a good, they have a nice stable of, RB2s. Um, I'm not saying any of them are ready to start or should start, but um you just your your second team running back to be reliable. Um, I know this everyone loves to hear about pass pro is the reason that uh, freshman running backs don't play, but they were working on pass pro and Jeremiah Love had to repeat uh the drill because he wasn't doing it correctly. So if we can get that figured out, I mean there's got they have to find something for Jeremiah Love. Uh, this season, just based on how he looks physically, uh, no doubt about that, Pete. Uh, and, and again, we're talking about five guys: Audric Estime, Jadarian Price, who looks fine from his Achilles injury. He he was, you know, they're not in full pad, pads, but it, it, there didn't appear to be any restrictions with him. Uh, I asked Marcus Freeman about that, uh, whether they would give him rest throughout camp, and he said, "Yeah, if he needs it." So that again was another sign that that so far up to this point. 
he hasn't shown any real ill effects of the Achilles. And then, of course, you have Devin Ford from Penn State who looks the part. He's light on his feet. Everything I saw of him on film, I think we saw yesterday. And then if there's a guy that I'm not sure about a role, it's Jabron Payne. Although he's very good at catching the football out of the backfield. So that could be that. That could be the role. And Jeremiah Love, yeah, they're based upon Marcus Freeman's comments yesterday. They, he's caught their attention. And I would agree with you guys that they're going to find a role for him. Wide receivers, we did not see Deion Colsey today, who did see him yesterday. Um, that is usually very easy to explain. He got hurt. We just we happened to see the whole practice yesterday, and it didn't seem like they got hurt, but that doesn't mean. Look, they were doing uh, 11 on 11 late. Deion Colsey, I don't remember a whole lot of notes from that. Maybe he was standing on the sidelines and tweaked something mild, and that's why he wasn't at the beginning of practice today. He could have shown up later. Uh, we ended up seeing Jalen Sneed, who missed the first five at least segments today. We saw him uh, shorts in a jersey. Colsey could have been there. There was dozens of players surrounding the tub because, as Priester pointed out, it was disgustingly hot at the end of that practice. So there will be people in the pit tomorrow. The pit was empty when we were there for five practices. There will be people in the pit tomorrow from today's practice. Yeah, and that's why I say Colsey. I mean, maybe dehydration. I know they keep an eye on that, but it happens to, with the way yeah. that the, oh, easily, yeah. I mean, it can, can happen easily. Don't want to read too much into it, but Deion Colsey's been a pretty inconsistent football player on, on a lot of levels here as he enters into his third year. And, and um, you know, and that's why in today's Thursday thoughts, I wrote about, I mentioned Matt Salerno, Salerno being in the top six. And I read people being surprised by that. I don't know why, what, like, I don't understand why there would be surprise if Salerno's there and Colsey's number seven. Now you want Colsey in the mix. He's got great size. He flashed last year after the midway point of the, the season and you'd like him out there, but there's been a lot of inconsistency with him. So I look at six guys right now that I think are definitely in the mix and it starts with Jaden Thomas. Didn't necessarily have a great day in the, in the red zone yesterday, but Jaden Thomas, Tobias Merriweather, Chris Tyree, uh, Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores, I think are going to be in, in as part of the rotation and then Matt Salerno, and then it's up to Colsey to earn a spot uh, and Braylon James to earn a spot, who did some good things on Wednesday, but we've heard some feedback about, you know, whether he's ready to contribute on a regular basis. There's no way Salerno will be last among the receivers. Zero. No, not. Zero chance of that. Like, I'm talking to somebody um it was on staff like he described Salerno to me as like there's just it's hard to it's hard to explain him as like he's just easy to throw to all the quarterbacks know it he just gets where he's supposed to be at the right time and he's he he is so reliable for the quarterbacks and not not every receiver is easy to throw to um but Salerno is and I would expect that he will be you know, we're talking 10 snaps a game, like not a, not a huge number, um, but he's very reliable. Like I think even you watch the bowl game last year, he threw a huge block, um, wiped out the nickel on, I think Logan Diggs long touchdown run. Like it's not just a beauty contest out at receiver, like Salerno gives you stuff in a bunch of different ways. So I, I think the coaches would be, I think kind of silly not to take, that and it's not like 
you know, I think there's a, when we mentioned Salerno, I mean, we're not talking about 35 receptions. We're talking about eight or 10 impactful plays over the course of a season. You know, when, when I say impactful plays, um, first and 15, he gains 13 yards on, on a throw. Uh, there's a, a wide receiver fumbles and Salerno's there to recover it. You know, I mean, just little things like that. I don't know why it's so, so hard to understand that he's a good football player and he can help them, but we're not saying that he's going to be the, you know, third or fourth guy uh, or third or fourth option for Sam Hartman. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, Sam Hartman is going to be Matt Salerno's greatest friend because when somebody else or nobody else is, is open Salerno is going to be where he should be. Hartman is going to know where that is, and he's going to get him the football. Priester asked about Merriweather today, and I asked about Great House. And you kind of threw in, does Merriweather need to kind of have that belief and confidence? He's like, I, I think he has that now. Um, that's good because that's what Stucky kind of Chauncey Stucky said at Chancey Stucky said at the end of last spring, right? That he needs to realize what he can be. Um, I I think Merriweather is going to have a really good year, but I it's going to be one of those situations where I am going to keep hoping we don't anoint the sophomore too early. But there's been plenty of breakout sophomores that I did not see coming. Like Will Fuller as a sophomore, he had a terrible spring. He couldn't catch the ball. And all of a sudden, Will Fuller couldn't be guarded. He still dropped the ball sometimes, but he couldn't be guarded when he was when he was running down the field his sophomore year. Uh, EQ, great sophomore year in a bad team. Golden Tate, great sophomore year in a bad team. Tobias Merriweather should have a good year with Sam Hartman. I think it's now it's on Tobias Merriweather if he does not have a good year with Sam Hartman. Well, I, I, think, I thought he... I mean, I thought he should have been more assertive yesterday. You know, they were they were getting bottled up in the red zone with with the number ones. And, and I just I just didn't think he fought hard enough. And that kind of Tim, you were there. That kind of plays mm -hmm. to what uh what Jared Parker was saying today a little bit, don't you think? Yeah. Well, Benjamin Morrison fought harder and, and broke the knocked the ball out of his hands. That is yeah, with that like, matters. It's we gotta see Merriweather do some stuff now. Um you know, we just it was one practice. Didn't see it then. Next practice, he's out. We got to see it. And like, look, I, there was a reason the staff was trying to elevate him into the starting lineup in November last year before he got a concussion. So clearly he was doing good stuff in practice. It just hasn't been the practices that we've attended. Yeah, <laughs> they need him. And, I, I, you know, I, I think great house and floors. I love I love uh, floors is get off at the at the snap of the football off the line of scrimmage. He puts pressure on a corner right away. Um, I, I, you know, again, it, these these predictions of numbers and receptions, those are just guesses. I'm we're talking about productive plays, key performances, key plays when the team needs it. When it's second and eighteen, and a guy breaks the tackle and gets fourteen and puts him in a third and short situation, it's little things like that, uh, more so than than reception numbers, which. Hell, I don't know that we're ever accurate. I don't feel like I'm ever accurate on preseason predictions about reception numbers, but when you talk about what role they can play and how they can elevate the offense with big plays here and there, and that's why I say Salerno, just eight or ten plays over the course of the season where you say that was a, that was an important play by Matt Salerno or that was an important play by Rico Flores. They kept that drive alive. They scored, and then they pulled away. Whatever. I, just, I whatever. think that's where Deion Colsey still is. I still think that's where Deion Colsey is. Can Deion Colsey have 12 impactful plays? I, well, I would agree. No, I, I would. If you get, if you said 12 impactful plays, actually 
considering the breakthrough he made last year and the experience he got, it probably should be more maybe than maybe, maybe sixteen to eighteen impactful yeah. plays. Yeah. 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 Now the tight end position, Tim, you and I were talking about. You know, they're they're not fully healthy. Eli Raritan said today, no, he's not fully healthy, and we didn't see him running anything live yesterday. But it astonishes me. Number one, this is his second ACL injury, and he doesn't wear a brace, so he's comfortable without it, and that tells you that he's in a he's in a better spot. But he's not full goal. But anyway, Tim, you and I were talking about. You know, we can talk about Mitchell Evans, and I think he'll play a key role. And Kevin Bauman coming back and 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 doing some good things. Holden stays, I think, has the highest ceiling, don't you? Yeah, and a healthy Raritan, but he is just he's he's a he's really good matchup one on one. It's that's why I'm glad we talked about stays with Parker today, and he was pretty candid saying I didn't think Holden stays was good enough for basically would amount to nine practices in the spring and his final six, he started coming around and they need to see him start doing that again consistently in August. And I hope so too, because Mitchell Evans and Kevin Bauman, Bauman's not quite a hundred percent either. He said, I wouldn't consider myself a hundred percent. I'm 100% cleared for all activity, including contact. He's just saying I'm assimilating back into it. Um, I'd love to see Holden stays talents augment what they have in the solidness of Bauman and Evans, because I think I do think he can make some big plays down the seam. Yeah, it's like watching him run with the the starters on Wednesday. I mean, he just it looks like he's filled out quite a bit. Um, you know, lower body. There's there's just like more material there to work with. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was a really really productive sophomore. Um, I'm I'm very high on him. Like I still am the highest on Eli Raritan, but. I think Holden stays. I wouldn't. I'm not sure that I came out of last season thinking like this. This is like sort of a quintessential Notre Dame, Notre Dame tight end of the quality of player, but I think maybe coming around on that. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, a, a fully healthy Eli Raritan is the best pass catching option among, among the tight ends, but Holden stays. And Pete, you know, like we we were together in the spring when when we were interviewing Holden stays, and I know that you visited him. Um, you know, before he arrived at Notre Dame and um, he's just a, he's a mature kid. In addition to the, the length and the ability that the high pointing ability he's just a smart, mature kid. And you want players like that on the field for you. It's, it's all, I find it interesting to speak to Holden Stace because he's just a mature kid and understands what he needs to get better at and what his role needs to be. Cooper Flanagan, I thought it was interesting you know, he was getting some reps. I know they were third team reps, but he was mixing in there, which tells you right there that he has a decent understanding of the playbook and what his responsibilities are. Yeah, that's it. He's an intriguing guy, but boy, if they're all healthy, isn't that, that's gotta be, that's an automatic four gamer, right? At best, because you just can't, you gotta, you gotta work it that way. And tight ends, tight ends can use that fifth year. They're not all Michael Mayer leaving early. I mean, it's, I know it's different times now, but it also helps with NIL that you could use your fifth year and get paid and not have to leave right away. It's I, I see it's great news to hear about him, but if you're developing Raritan and stays to augment or even usurp at some point, Evans and Bauman seems like a natural, a four game redshirt is a great job by Flanagan. That means they felt, wow, we got to play this guy in some way. Cause otherwise they could, you could stick that guy on scout team easily with the other tight ends they have. Yeah, probably. Probably too a little physically put together to just be a scout team only player. Like at a minimum, it's like even if he doesn't see a single snap of offense, 
special teams, four games four special games. teams, he can help yeah. you. Um, unfortunately, he's number 87. So he, despite being six foot six and 260 pounds, he looks tiny to me. But <laughs> it's just a jersey choice issue. There's a few jersey choice issues. We're going to save that for a different uh, <laughs> podcast or musing. Pete and I were talking about that today during stretching. It really Michael Bell has to change. Tim, Michael Bell has to change. That really bugs you, doesn't it, T.O.? It does. <laughs> uh, as far as the offensive line, I don't think there are any great mysteries there. Hey, what? Well, I'll get I'll get to that. But you know, left to right, Joe Alt. Have... Well, go ahead, Tim. What? One mystery is that Tosh Baker is seven feet tall, not six feet eight, because he is standing next to Charles Jagasa, who's listed as six seven and three quarters, or six seven and one quarter, and he's a helmet ahead of him. I I don't know what's going on here. Uh, the, my mystery is. Baker is a left tackle and Wagner's a right tackle. And wouldn't yeah. you think it would be the other way around? I, I mean, maybe Joe Rudolph just, well, I'm, uh, Christophic was a left, left guard with a previous right guard yep. and, and a right guard. So I'm not really sure what's it, uh, what's in play there, but, uh, you know, we know the group, Joe Alt and, and, uh, Billy Shrouth and Zeke Corral. And for right now, at least Andrew Christophic, although Rocco Spindler did mix in there a little bit yesterday. And then, of course, right tackle Blake Fisher, who, again, I think he looks great physically. You know, we saw that in the spring, and he, he's he's kept it off. He looks good. It's a good-looking, it's a good-looking offensive line with a little bit of uncertainty at the at the right guard spot. Smaller is the wrong word, but Blake Fisher is lighter as a listing than about five guys now, including two freshmen. It's mm-hmm. a strange world to live in. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's. He looks good. Um, I do think sometimes we get into like there's weight and then there's strength. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With football players. And I think we focus probably a little too much on weight and not enough on strength because they don't put strength on the roster. Um, but I mean, I remember visiting Blake Fisher in high school. And he was much bigger than he was today, but it was a bad bigger. And now I think he's a good. Uh, he's much stronger than he was and a little bit lighter. And that I think will work in his favor this fall. My, what I was going to say when I started talking about offensive line, Michael Carmody, I don't, what it, what's his situation? I, I just think he is a, a, a senior that will be a versatile backup at a couple positions. Well, he can I mean, play I center. Did, he can play guard. He can play tackle. Did I miss something in him getting reps yesterday? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't think he's probably a huge part of the, uh, he did gain 10 pounds, which is good. Now, here I go with weight again. He was down to 280 in the spring, and he was too small in the spring. But I, I actually, I mean, we were kind of told that maybe he wouldn't put the weight back on. I think it's a good sign that he did going into this year. It makes him at least a viable candidate. Um, would you be surprised if they settled into a different, a too deep without him? Considering what you know about Ashton Craig, oh, Rocco no, Spindler, not, Pat Coogan, and the other tackles? Not necessarily. I just didn't see him getting 13 reps yesterday. So there must be some physical issue mm-hmm. there. But anyway, uh, I had noticed it again in 10 pounds, and that that's important. Uh, Charles Jagas is hurt. <laughs> I mean, I don't think yeah. there's any doubt about that. He's coming off a knee injury. He weighs way too much. He's not in good physical condition, and he can't be because he's been hurt. So I think we're going to you know, they're going to put him on the back burner here and, and, uh, get him healthy. I thought Chris Tarek needs to, needs to clean up his weight a little bit too. As I once again, talk about weight, Emil Wagner's quite, I'm not sure what his weight was in the spring. It, it, what I know he's listed 288. 
he's he's considerably larger in the upper body, lower yeah. body. I can yeah. check, but I think it was in the weirdness, like the 269 range, even yeah. something yeah. where he couldn't. He looks, he looks much bigger, much stouter, and that's important. Um, Ashton Craig working as the number two center. Quinn Murphy working as the number three center. He's a very underrated walk-on offensive lineman. Sam Pendleton, I thought, looks looks really good. Looks like he's in really good uh, physical condition. Sullivan Absher is my uh, is is my uh, uh, I want to say Joe Bars, Alex Bars of this class. Uh, Joe Bars is uh, Alex Bars' dad, but that'd be, uh, fine. that'd be fine as well. And Pete and I were talking about, yeah, that would be fine too. Pete and I were talking about it. He is a, I mean, he's a block and I don't mean that in a bad way. He's almost as wide as he is tall. That when I saw Alex bars for the first time in soldier soldier field for a rivals camp, I thought he's as wide as he is tall. And he was tall. I'm exaggerating of course, but really put together together very well. He was playing right tackle. Uh, They need tackles out of that group and he looked pretty good. Yeah, it's there's nothing about freshmen that makes you think that they're gonna see the field. I would say, but I think there's enough there to think like, okay, they've got they should really like what they have on hand, just in terms of body types and the way they're put together. Um, but you know, Billy Shrouts, I, I think I've heard some good things about him already, uh, just from Joe Rudolph when he's coaching him. Um, and Billy Shrouth, as you if you watch him go through drills, Michael Carmody was on the receiving end of this, like he doesn't just sort of like hit you and then fall off and go back to the huddle. He'll just drive you to the back of the end zone because that's just the stuff that he likes to do. So um, like Shroth a lot. I really think he's going to have a great sophomore year. You know, and I had to look, he's listed at three eleven. man. He carries that weight really, really well. In fact, I would say he's a light three eleven. He probably needs a little bit more. Because he's just, I mean, he's a lean 311. He's hes pretty high on the list of guys August 8th when we see another full practice that I'm going to be tuning in, watching him go against the first string. I want to see him against the first, well, actually Rubio and Anya are good enough to watch him go against as well. I want to see him go against those first two strings when it's live action. Sometimes it's hard to focus on the guards when they're not absolutely pile driving someone, but I think we might get a chance to see that with Shroth. Pat Coogan at, at left guard is the backup left guard. Ty Chan has been moved. He was playing tackle in the spring, wasn't he? He, he was, was, but that always seemed odd to me. And then he was also injured. I, I think sometimes spring is let's get, make sure we have too deep at every position too. Right. When they're trying to, cause they don't have, you don't have all your freshmen in. There's, there's no doubt about that, but I, I don't think there's any doubt that Ty Chan very early in his career at Notre Dame is at a crossroads. He's got to make a move. Cause now the freshmen are in here. Um, Coogan is establishing himself at guard. Again, I really like I Pendleton looks to be in really, really good shape. I didn't see I didn't see any live reps with Chris Tarek and Joe Otting. So, you know, I don't really know what to say um about those guys at this point. But um yeah, it'll be interesting to see if can Rocco Spindler really make a move here? I want to, I want to try to be as open-minded as possible because Christophic has never, I mean, Christophic was held in higher regard two offensive line coaches ago than, you know, than last year's offensive line coach and this, this year's offensive line coach. So 
we'll see what happens there. What uh, any other comments, guys, on the offense and, and, and before we move to segment two in the defense? Now, I think that Pete made the point, and uh, we've talked about this with other freshmen before. It's on them to get love on the field because he doesn't have to pass protect every time he's in the game. Right. I get it. I understand that coaches say, no, he has to be able to pass protect too. No, he doesn't. You have to find a role where he's not the guy pass protecting. Don't make him be a guy in charge of pass protecting. It's okay. You could have him on the field with another running back who could protect the passer. <laughs> it's, right, exactly. He's just too fast um, as long as he keeps his – I mean, yeah, obviously – we act like they should all play in this right now, but as long as he keeps his head in it and is a focused player that knows his assignments, it's okay if he can't block somebody on a pass rush. Uh, you know, I thought that Marcus Freeman talking about, you know, investing in Angeli and Minchie um, during the, the month of August and through the season is significant um, because I've, you know, I've talked about this on this podcast, like, one of the sort of sneaky important stories is like you you have to get a real evaluation on both of those guys um and there's not going to be a lot of reps to go around once the season gets so i thought angeli did some really nice stuff on wednesday um you know minchi i would say looks ahead of where you would expect maybe a freshman to look both in terms of his ability but also just the amount of work he's gonna i mean how many practices have we been to where the freshman quarterback literally gets like three snap um they're just they're watching the whole time and it seems like there's an emphasis to like figure out okay what do we have here what maybe don't we have here and if we don't have here some something then we got to go look for the next sam hartman in four or five months from now i wasn't going to let us get out of this segment without talking about the quarterbacks i i mean plain and simple it, it was tough for sam hartman yesterday because nobody was open when he was a quarterback <laughs> It's just as simple as that. They weren't, they were not open. And, and then you get to the point, it's a, it's a practice situation and you don't want to keep swallowing the football because nobody's open. So eventually the quarterback makes a throw and it's a dangerous throw and something bad happens. Most of them were incomplete. I did like the way he threw the football into the end zone, either his receivers catching it or, or the guy in the first row is catching it. And, and, and I think that that's a good approach. And jelly look good. Let's not read to, he had, he had a, it was the first practice. He started out very slowly uh, with a pick at the goal line, but he looked good. He adjusted. I, I do think that he had better matchups with the second wide receivers against the backup DBs, but let's not read too much into it. The kid had a good practice. Hartman didn't, but I, I don't know how I can put any of what happened yesterday, a quarterback on Hartman. Maybe you guys saw it differently. No, I, I didn't think Hartman had a bad practice, actually. I thought it was good. Um, I, mean, I like the, the number, Pete, I'm sorry, the numbers, I think he was actually, he was under 50% completion. But that wasn't, it yeah. wasn't his fault. There was nothing he could no, do. No, it didn't feel like we've watched practices where the quarterback has been under 50%. That did not look like a practice yeah. where the quarterback was under 50%. I mean, he's making timing throws. He's throwing guys open. I mean, he had that pass to Tyree down by the pylon, which like was a tough catch, but it was, it was interesting to me that he could even see that route coming open um, and get the ball where it could have caught. So um, I thought he made some really impressive throws. I thought he does, obviously his experience, he does a great job of anticipating where his, when, where his receiver is going to get open, when his receiver is going to get open and when he needs to release the football, he, you can tell he's a veteran out there. The ball shoots off his hand and I'm sure better days are ahead 
for Sam Hartman. We're going to come back seven two, talk some defense, and in the meantime, try to solve Pete Sampson's audio issues. Segment two coming up. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit Aerlingus.com to book today. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. We are back with segment two and a focus on uh, yesterday and today's practices. Notre Dame's practice with the defense. Tim Priester was assigned to the defense today. You had a nice solid 30 minutes there, Priester, and uh, not a lot of action going on, but you stuck down by the defensive line quite a bit. I did. It just, I, I, I'm not going to go make a long explanation as to how we're allowed to maneuver around the football field, but for me to go see the linebackers and the DBs during that time, it would have it, it would have been just too much of a waste of time. So I stayed by the, the D lineman and got a, got a look, good look at, uh, since you had defense yesterday, I mean, some of those younger guys, Bubakar Triore and, and uh, uh, Armel Mookum, uh, who, uh, the other guy, Devin Houston, defensive tackle. So Brennan Vernon, I, I, he is an interesting cat, man. I, I, I thought he was going to be a defensive tackle coming out of high school. We, I guess we didn't really know. And then he mm-hmm. cut a bunch of weight. He looks, I mean, he looks fantastic. He's under 260. He looks like a strong side defensive end. He actually, you know what, who he looks like? He looks like a Bosa brother. He, does, he actually he? does look like that. Oh. Really so right now they have a Bosa brother, Randy Moss, and Larry Fitzgerald on the team. This is going great. And I think T oh. Higgins was Tobias Merriweather. So no name's yeah. awesome at this point. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, wait, wait. I'm not saying that Vernon's a Bosa player. I'm saying. And Manti Teo's coming to the program next year again. This is just <laughs> better, amazing. better than Manti Teo. <laughs> I'm not I, saying I, heard, that. I listened to a podcast that said that. I got really excited. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But anyway, we shall find out. But, uh, you know, I like you're looking for, okay, who's leading this group? And I thought the guys that showed that put in the the greatest effort, and I, you know, I hope that I'm not being unfair to to anybody, but it started with Howard Cross, and I don't think that that's a surprise. And then it continued for me with Javante Jean Baptiste, uh, Ky- uh, Riley Mills for a little bit as well. They they set the tone. They're at the front of the group. It's 180 degrees out there, and they set the tone today. I thought it was impressive. And we, uh, Jalen Steed was not at the first five segments of practice, which was reported. And with the caveat of he may have shown up for practice segment number six, he came at some point because we saw Jalen Steed when we walked in. Um, that is probably going to keep happening. That's going to be more, there's going to be more guys that miss tomorrow when we're in there for five segments. It might not even be worth reporting. I guess we'll do it. You guys can take it with a grain of salt, but, uh, there's gonna be guys falling out here early in camp. Um, my thing with Sneed before we spend too much time on the backup linebackers, I just think they I need think they need to find a role for Sneed 
and see if he can fulfill that role rather than seeing if he's a will, a rover, a package player. Because I don't think he's three things right now. I don't think he's yet one, and they would have to make him one thing. Considering they already have three guys that are starting, they they can find roles for the other guys at this point. Yeah, I agree. Sneed just feels a little bit lost in space right now. But that's I feel like that's true for almost all the linebackers who are not Leo Falkaiser or Bertrand. Like, you could do anything with them. You could try it out. You could experiment. You could kick around. And I think that's fine for probably all of them, except for Snead, who wants to play and probably needs to play. So you sort of keep them with you. Um, but yeah, it's I to get back to Vernon, like he looks like a totally different person than the though? kid you saw on the sidelines of games from from visits. Like I don't, or even like the uh, I think he played in the Army Bowl or the formerly mm-hmm. known as the Army Bowl. Like it's like okay, this guy's turning into a a three technique uh, and man, he just looks like he leaned out um, and looks more like either a strong side end or like a, not probably not a Viper, but like a strong side end with like strong good length. Yeah. Yeah. He's not quick twitch enough. I think for, for he's not quick twitch enough for Viper, but strong yeah. side end. Definitely. In reference to the linebackers, I, you know, when you talk about, you talk about Leofal Kaiser and Bertrand, you, as you said, you can do just about anything you want to do with those those three guys in terms of um you know football knowledge and where they're supposed to be and what they need to do at linebacker. Now Leofau, they need to find a, a a better niche for him than the one that he had last year. But yeah, with those three, you can do pretty much whatever you want to do on a second level of the defense. I think they're that smart um in, in terms of just picking up what they want to do and instinctual and and react being uh, proactive as, as opposed to reactive. Uh, and I think a lot of people read yesterday's report with uh, they're lined up at, you know, it, it, Kaiser did some Rover, Leofau did some Rover. We have to remember they weren't working on a lot of packages day one. So Jalen Sneed might have a package. Amaris Leofau we know does have a package, but that's going to be a little bit different as practices go on and they start implementing things that they're going to actually use in the fall. You Just like the spring, day one, you have to line up somewhere. There's organization to these practices. They have to come out and line up somewhere. That is exactly how these things work. But I, I don't want to harp on it all. I don't want to harp on it all summer. I hope they find a way to augment Kaiser, Bertrand, and Leofau with some help over the 12 games. Because you recall Notre Dame's best team in the long time, last five years, uh, they almost destroyed Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil in September. They absolutely overplayed them they were they were playing 80 snaps they were pulling Isaac Rochelle into an 87 snaps in an 85 85 snap game so I think it would help a lot um and yet we have somehow buried the lead we keep talking about that Notre Dame's corners look better than everybody else in the practice field yeah it's like we're gonna spend a lot of time on this podcast and I'm sure people are asked questions like best group of corners since what and I'm gonna you know let's have a few games go by first of course, yeah. especially the fifth game. I was going to say that a few games, but, they might look like the best group you've ever seen. But uh, yeah, they've got it's that group's got a chance. And I asked Marcus about it on Saturday and he's like, oh, we got to find a fourth corner. Like how many camps have we covered where they had to find a second corner? Like finding a fourth corner, like that's luxury living right there. Yeah, they hit the ground running yesterday. I mean, that 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 looked like midseason form. And what was really great to see was Cam Hart was so active and light on his feet. 
I went the next time we have an opportunity with him, I, I and I, I'm sure we've done this or other reporters have when I'm talking to somebody else, but I, just what he has gone through, the the injuries that he's played with while at Notre Dame, it's he's had three shoulder surgeries, and I can't even imagine. Look, the game's hard enough when you're healthy, let alone battling, you know, the constant pain. But uh, really hope good things for him. And he just was so bouncy and sharp yesterday. And then exactly what you would hope or expect Benjamin Morrison to do, you know, as a follow-up to last year's uh, yes. start to a, to a great college career. And, and he was ready to go. Jaden Mickey was absolutely – he did get beat one time, right, to the, the yeah. corner. That's um, going to happen. That's going to happen when every snap you you take yesterday starts from the ten yard line or the twenty yard line. But he was he was really really good. I didn't you were on defense, Tim, and I didn't really see uh, exactly what Clarence Lewis did. And you said he he made some plays. What did you see? From uh, yeah, him? he's the nickel. And I want to go back to what Pete said. Pete said they need to find a fourth corner. Before Marcus Freeman said that, he said because we already have Clarence Lewis working at nickel, now we need to find a fourth corner. So they really need to find a fifth corner. That's how deep yeah, they are right here. Yeah, but Clarence, I think Thomas Harper is going to obviously be the starting nickel because he also brings the necessary Tariq Bracy ability against the run, which is if nickel is partly your base, it's not Clarence Lewis the whole time. But Harper Clarence hit somebody today, huh? Yeah, he Harper tried to hit today in a uh, drill against his own teammate. So they're going to have to get him uh, a pad situation where he can tackle somebody. Um, but Clarence, oh, Clarence Lewis with a nice pick, stepped in front of another ball, knocked it down. Uh, I like the role for him as long as it's something along the lines of Clarence Lewis is our nickel in an obvious passing situation where he's almost like maybe Clarence Lewis is your dime in an obvious passing situation. Right, right. Cause then it's zone coverage and you are using him to the best of his ability. He's not running down a rail with the fastest guy on the other team. Yeah. Um, even Tariq Bracey, like remember the North Carolina game, he's put in a position where he has to guard Josh Downs on what do they call that? A, uh, a smash. It, it was a, he comes in motion does a quick smash route and goes to the outside. You can't cover him doing that. You need you need to find ways to mix things up. And I think Clarence Lewis will help them uh, as a full-time reserve. I did want to talk about Jordan Batella because I see that he's listed at 264 on Nordheim's roster. And we believe we believe these heights and weights to be up to date and pretty accurate. Um, he does not look 264. He's carrying 264 very, very well. I I think. You know, and I don't think this is a great surprise. It's not, I don't think he slowed down at his weight. I think he still is quick. My issue with Patello at times is you got to be able to counter. If you get stoned, you've got to, you you have to be prepared to seamlessly flow into your counter move. And I think sometimes he just gets frustrated and do, and doesn't come up with that counter move. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think locked to that kind of basically yeah, what you're that, describing. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, it's like okay, that didn't work. I, I don't really know what my next move is. I, maybe I'm. Look, he's had a consistency issue his entire his entire uh, entire time in Notre Dame. Most of it against the run, and we know that he you know he flashed big time in the Gator Bowl, but he can't get frustrated. By, the, by getting stonewalled. He's got to be, he's got to seamlessly transition into the next move that gets him free and beats the tackle. Yeah. I mean, isn't this kind of like what happens when you're kind of creating a Viper out of a linebacker? 
I would, yeah, no, I think that's fair. You know? I think that's a fair counter, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I hope when we get that open practice one, two weeks that, you know, you can watch Tui Halamaka, watch Patello, and sort of see if they're. That would be an interesting sort of chart to see, like who stays blocked and who doesn't for how long, and like how they hold up against the point of attack. Um, you know, what kind of pressure they get on the quarterback because it does feel like Patello is you know, kind of a situational, like if it's third and 12, awesome. But like not every play is third and 12 and they, 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 you can't, you can't play without a Viper. So it's, they need him to be a little bit more all around. It would be a good to have a frank conversation with Al Washington about what he wants out of Viper, because when he said that's the evolution of the position is moving three linebackers to Viper, it might be because they moved three linebackers to Viper. That was why it was the evolution of the position. As opposed to having Julian Aquara or Isaiah Foskey on hand to be the next Viper, um, I get what he's saying. You want your Viper to, be able to drop into coverage and stuff. Remember, Clark Lee used to have Foskey drop into coverage a lot to the point where we're like, "Wow, this is yeah. asking a lot of this guy." Yeah. Um, so they could be better off right now with um, Burnham and, and Tui Halamaka dropping into coverage uh, in that situation. I did see um, going to the point that they're only playing a lot of base right now. I did see Batello at Rover on one play. Uh, during that scrimmage or he lined up, there was four linemen. He lined up as the outside linebacker on the far side of the field. You can call it whatever you want, but that's, I found that interesting. I I think we just need to see a lot more. I'm not sure how flexible he's going to be in that role, but you can certainly, and we saw evidence of it yesterday. I mean, again, with, with Kaiser Bertrand and Leofau, you can line them up. However the hell you want to line them up there, that, that that's fine. They have the versatility uh, to do that. But Tim, uh, the rover position, I, I know we talked about a little bit on instant analysis. Um, maybe we're just playing word games. Uh, that's it, it. You're either it's either a rover or a nickel. I'm you know I'm not sure how much of a true rover we're going to see this year. Yeah, I think maybe if Jaden Osbury becomes a rover in two years, that's when we see the true rover again. I don't know who the rover is. I mean, I think the rover is the nickel. Um, Depends on who they want at will. If they don't like what they have at will, then Jack Kaiser has to play Rover in some plays again. But I mean, Jack Kaiser would be a better will than everybody else they have. I agree. Pete, what do you think? Um, I don't know. It, it was confusing to sort of pick up and like understand how much mixing and matching Al Golden was doing on day one. Just yeah. not in a like, not that's not a criticism. It was just like, it was hard to keep track of everything. Um, but it I really want to know like okay who is going to be the fourth linebacker um because I had heard some good things about Drake Bowen over the summer as sort of like JD Bertrand ish in terms of how much he gets into the playbook and film and just like working at it you know could he be a guy uh you know Ziggler I think had a good spring I think maybe his summer was less sort of less sort of out there um you know and then I know you guys like Jaden Osbury a lot and he's it's it's like he's the a backup at a position that is all like where third team is really the backup because of the, the nickel is the starter. So I don't I don't know where camp goes with this. Um it's another in two weeks when we get out there and sort of see that live practice. I'll be curious to see outside of Leofau, Kaiser, Bertrand, all the other guys who's playing what, where, and how much. Cause I I don't know. I don't know if Notre Dame knows right now. I, th- I think Ziggler is that first guy in. 
for one of the inside linebacker spots. I don't know if it's both. I've kind of said that in the past. I don't know. You know, I see him listed at 6'3", 234. He doesn't look that big to me. I, I don't know about you guys, but he doesn't. When I see him with the other linebackers, he doesn't look that big to me. But I think he, you know, he's he's a pretty instinctual guy too. Um, yeah, I love Osbury. I, I, you know, maybe the, I mean, I liked what he did during the spring. I was impressed in speaking with him. And then he had a really good blue goal game. And so you go into the summer thinking, all right, this guy is, this guy's ahead of schedule. Um, and I still believe that, but I'm, you know, you, you, you react to a couple of images, a couple of flashes of, of play. And then that tends to stick with you a little bit, but uh, I think he's the first guy off the bench in the middle. Yes, I would think so. Now Bowen could be a Rover in the base. Well, that that's, I mean, he should have the athleticism to play that, mm-hmm. right? And he and you saw him there yesterday, correct? Uh, yeah, but that's, once again, I saw Osbury there. Um, I saw Trey Reader come in at will ahead of some other guys, the walk-on. So there's yeah, a lot he, going on. There's a lot of, they have to get a lot of reps for these guys because it's hot and they are running and covering the whole yeah. time. Reader is a uh, pretty astute walk-on linebacker. Yeah. He's got a good football background. And the secondary, we talked about the corners a little bit. We didn't really say much about the safeties. Xavier Watts, DJ Brown, the the, the top duo, Antonio Carter, Tim, you saw for the, the first time yesterday. And, you know, I didn't really get a chance to see him today. Ramon Henderson, Thomas Harper at the nickel. Uh, did uh, Don Schuler made a play in the red zone in the yep. Yep. Just, uh, past the goal line yesterday. So that was good because he was he was shut down during the spring. Uh, ben Minnick, or you know, Luke, Luke Telich is the guy that, um, you know, we we think that he's got a lot of uh, long term potential. He's certainly long. I like he to me. He's like Davis Andrews. I think they're very similar players. I think he'll be in the mix. I mean, he was for for a walk on to be heavily in the mix with the third string on day one. He's yeah. he's picked something up in the summer. He was right next to Ben Minnick, heavily heavily involved. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. Luke, special Luke teams, and Davis right? Andrews both were offered by Utah on their defensive backs. I like the way Utah evaluates defensive backs. Who did you say, Talich and who? Davis Andrews. Oh, yeah. Davis Andrews. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think they're very similar similar players, and that's – I'll take them both. I think they they're both going to be on scholarship at Notre Dame eventually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yes. I have a question for you guys. Had you never seen a Notre Dame football team play, but you covered another team and you came to visit practice yesterday, because yesterday is more important than today, obviously, but you can throw in today. Yeah. Best offensive player and best defensive player, and I don't think an offensive lineman has a shot at being listed from what we saw. So you don't have to sound dumb and not say Joe Alt because you didn't get to see him block somebody. In yeah, I, don't, I mean, you're asking me to pick from about – 15 guys i'm not yeah. sure at one point who you're talking about so skill position talking- guys and skill and back seven defenders is kind of what you're looking at i'd say from what we saw from the practice we saw and quarterbacks you can throw quarterbacks in and i thought, I thought braylon james looked, <laughs> the, looked really the leaping good. catch you mean yeah that was yeah nice. i mean i thought yeah. and that wasn't his only catch i thought he looked yeah. i thought he looked really good um you know all the running backs i mean i you know you could you could run Devin Ford out there and you wouldn't, I don't think you'd bat an eye. Yeah. I, you know, he, he was beaten out by some really good running backs at Penn state and they're better than him, you know, so be it. But 
uh, I, you know, I Riley, Riley Mills is flashing to me as well. I, I, Jason Anya, I like the way he looks. I'm not, I mean, throw some names at Jaden Mickey, throw some Benjamin names. Moore, uh, Benjamin Morrison was the best player. Benjamin Morrison the was the best. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Yeah. With that. He would, yeah, he would be one on defense. I would, I actually would put, even though Hart didn't make a pick. I, um, I would. Yeah, it's impossible to look at him and be like, holy crap. Like, yeah. That's, a, I mean, that's just going I on there. That's as good as I've seen. I mean, just physically with bounce and, and look good. I, I see what it did to Rico Flores. Like, oh, yeah. He I've been in the weight up. room and you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did just eat him up. It was, and he bounced him. off him like a wall when he ran. Yeah. And then Hart, like Hartman's trying to throw it to Flores and he's like, dude, like, get, off, get off the ground. Yeah. yeah, uh, Cam Hart would be really high on my list in just terms of like, wow, what a specimen. But it's like Eli Reardon would be as well. Like, he yeah. didn't do anything in the Wednesday practice, but it's impossible to look at him and not think, whoa. Um, you know, Mary Weathers the same way, he didn't do anything in the practice, but you still look at him and think, man, what a what a specimen. I obviously, estimates the same way. Like, I might have actually thought Angeli, honestly, if you said like, not yeah, that I'm the way arguing ran to, away to start over people. Hartman, but like the fact that he outran Jalen Sneed to the pylon um, and then threw a bunch of touchdowns and like three or four picks. But you're just like, okay, this guy's it's a gunslinger. He's got moxie. Like I would, I would want to see more from him. Kaiser had back-to-back plays where he strung out with Bertrand, Estime, and then chased down. Was it Minchie on the left side? I know it's easier to yeah. chase down a quarterback rolling left than it is right. And Jelly rolled right which makes it easier for them to kind of no, no. do a little fake while they're running. I think he ate up Minchie rolling left a little bit, Kaiser. You know, um, I didn't talk directly to Mitchell Evans, but I was kind of eavesdropping with him today. And he was asked, somebody asked him about, you know, his toughest matchups. And he, he said, Batello's just so strong and aggressive, uh, which is kind of counter to what, what I was critiquing there a little bit ago, but he said, uh, the length of Javante Jean-Baptiste is really something that as a blocker, you better, you better be prepared for that and be aware that you have to be proactive, not reactive because he'll beat you with his length. So it's good. It's good to hear that. Um, and I thought JJB looked uh, good looking up close with working with Al Washington, the defensive line uh, before we run out of uh, segment two here. The punters yesterday look like the punters always look like on day one. They look a little squeamish and a little bit gun shy. And I thought they, I thought both McPherson and and uh, Krim were an expression that I've used for a long time: feeling for the ball instead of just said just letting it fly and driving through the ball. You're just kind of feeling for it because you don't want to make a mistake, and in doing so, you end up making mistakes on your punt. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think I can just go back to your Thursday thoughts, too, to point out that John Sod had a terrible first practice. Yep, sure but, did. Sure did. And now yeah. he's in the Hall of Fame for me, so that's that's good. <laughs> he's in the... Yeah, no- no, I read a whopping zero uh, into any special teams activity yesterday, so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Schrader make a field goal when we're out at practice whenever that <laughs> it happens again down the road. In yeah, months. well, I wouldn't. I would. I mean, I can't. Look, they're snapping and they're filming and they're paying attention. Punt the damn ball. <laughs> I mean, it just they they really struggled. Now I will say that 
McPherson had more leg, which wasn't surprising, and Krim had more hang time. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's always going to be that way every time we see them punt. But if that is a trend, then they've got a decision to make. Usually, the decision is made where you are on the side of of uh, hang time. The good but, news is, and all every coach we talk to for this for special teams is they track literally every single thing they do. So. They never base it on feeling with punters, kickers. It's always, no, this is the guy. He won. This is the guy that won the job. I, I can't imagine Biagi is any different than the last five special teams coaches that have simply said, since David Ruffer just took the job from Nick Tosh. Nope, sorry. He hit more kicks. He's the kicker. He's the punter. That, that should be how it works out. All right, guys, wrapping up here, segment two, defense, special teams. Uh, anybody else you want to mention? Any other scenario, situation? August 8th. Looking forward to that one. I need another full practice. The first one, the first one has been telling at times, but you see a lot of different things when you've, when you, as Pete said, who's the fourth linebacker in, um, is there a ninth defensive end defense, not defensive end. That's a lot. Is there a ninth defensive lineman? Um, Tyson Ford, could he be a ninth defensive lineman? Cause we know the first eight. Will this, will my one, a one B any share with Spindler happen? Um, we haven't seen indications of that, but he does get a rep or two with the first team. I wouldn't say second team offensive lines, my number one concern going to August 8th, <laughs> but I'm going to want to, I'm going to take a look at those guys. And I guess to see how much, uh, the how the tight ends working with the wide receivers. Cause I get the feeling as much as Stucky wants 10, he's going to go down to six, not seven on game days because of the tight ends and running backs. Well, they're only seven at practice today. So yeah, no, you're not going to have 10. I I think that I would like to watch more of Antonio Carter next time we're out of practice because I, I have not – I've sort of seen him move around. He looks fine. But, like, just sort of see, like, how he reads things out. Is he, you know, confident in where he's moving and the cuts that he's making, or is he still sort of thinking his way through the game? So that safety position, I haven't spent much time on that yet, um, but I would like to get more of a read on that as as practice moves forward. I would agree with you guys as far as August, I think August 8th is more telling. There's no, I guess you can be a little bit banged up by that point in camp, but, you know, as opposed to day one and day two, where you kind of have some excuses not to be at your best Yeah. Uh, by August 8th, you know, I think that's going to be more telling. We're going to have a better idea who they're at that point. Coaches are, you know, they're making some decisions about who's playing on game day at, at that point of, of preseason camp. So, or who's not playing on game day. They really playing. made some of those decisions. That's, that's, yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to have a uh, uh, open again, five periods tomorrow. So, our practice reports will be abbreviated as they were again today. We're, we'll, we'll try to do a, a summation of the two day, the last two days uh, with, with an instant analysis. From uh, from the practice field, and then uh, we'll we'll have the weekend off from Notre Dame football, and back at it next week when we'll uh, we'll once again have a couple of Irish Illustrated uh, insiders. Until then, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Get ready for a spine chilling journey through Dublin's dark past on the Ghost Bus Tour. Discover the haunting tales of Bram Stoker the author of Dracula, and visit two of the city's most haunted sites on this two-hour scare fest. Led by a professional actor, this tour is not for the faint-hearted. 
Book your tickets now at dudesdublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated to secure your spot.